Welcome to Self-Made Millionaire Tips. Uh, today, I'm excited. Colin Plume, probably should introduce myself. Um, I'm excited to have Curtis Morley today, who's what a resume. Award-winning uh, serial entrepreneur, educator, patent holder, thought leader, innovator, author of The Entrepreneur's Paradox, which uh, won, uh, was a finalist in the 2021 International Book Awards, Wall Street Journal bestseller, um, and someone that's started a lot of businesses. I mean, I, I could read your resume for probably 10 minutes going all the way down. Um, you founded some multi-million dollar companies. Uh, you've helped a lot of entrepreneurs scale um, their businesses and um, excited to, to pick your brain and, and talk about some business. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm excited about the discussion. Yeah, me too. I know we talked basketball off, but we'll maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, big, big Utah Jazz fan. Uh, we could talk about that for hours too. But let's let's start early, uh, Curtis. You, uh, your first company. You, uh, you know, obviously out of the gate, everybody makes mistakes. <clears throat> what were some of the mistakes that you made, and and how did you recover and sort of learn from them uh, to to kind of grow that first? first successful business? Um, it's it's funny you ask that because quite frankly, that's why I wrote this book. The oh, really? Okay. Is because I made every mistake, Colin. Like, <laughs> I, I And that's not hyperbole. That is like some of the mistakes I made two and three times just so that I could make sure I got those mistakes. I yeah. just those. How many relatives did you hire? <laughs> <laughs> actually, that's one that I, oh no, I actually did make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely we all do that right yeah, it's true <laughs> uh yeah and and if i could go back if i could go back to 26 year old curtis and just um share that th this is the message that i would give him because there there is a better way to do business now uh, it, it's so interesting because my first couple of businesses i i no joke i made every mistake possible mm -hmm. i Poster syndrome. I was trying to climb the mountain alone. I thought that, you know, I couldn't share and I couldn't build this network because I had to keep all these guarded secrets. I, you know, all of the mistakes. I didn't hire an accountant. I, I was, I was acting as legal for my company. Oh, wow. Big mistake. Don't do yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Know, all of these things. A common, these are all common mistakes. I think when you start, you start out because you know, a bookkeeper, you know, you don't know how valuable it is to to have those things until somebody, you know, takes that task off your plate. Right. And, and, uh, you know, when you started and, and even with my, some of my businesses, we, we got bookkeepers sort of late too. I remember one of our businesses, we were still writing paper checks for a while when those were sort of unnecessary. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, you learn the mistakes of that, not only time, but even that paper check, just totally random, uh, with me, someone, you, one of our old employees stole some of the data from the paper check and tried to charge stuff because all the, on the checks, all the information is there. So yeah. many years later we got these charges and I was like, what are these, how is this? And I, we figured out who it was and they just thought, you know, maybe we wouldn't notice at this point. Uh, but these are, you know, obviously all mistakes that that are pretty common. But sometimes they, people can't get out of them. You know, they make one bad one and they they're they're done. So, 
yeah. obviously you you did a lot of these you you made the mistakes um wh- what was the first business that you said that you sort of just started to see some success um that kind of turned the corner for you yeah it was a full service media agency and it was kind of at the the burgeoning era of the internet where everything was exciting and mm-hmm. you know internet 2.0 was a big thing and um, we got into interactive media online and um and so i founded a creative agency that did everything from logo and branding all the way through heavy backend database work, TV and radio commercials. So a full oh, wow. service, full service interactive marketing agency. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it was one of the first in Utah and where I'm from. And um, it was, it was crazy because one of the big ones, one of the big mistakes, or I wouldn't say mistakes. One of the things I didn't know was cash flow. Mm-hmm. And, one month I would just be filthy rich and the next month I would be destitute. Mm-hmm. And that just kept happening over and over and over again. And that, that cycle was just exhausting. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It, it's scary too. It's, it's really scary, especially when you're, you know, I don't know how you guys build in that agency, but sometimes you're waiting on money too. So that's a, yeah. that's a hard part is, you know, balancing to know, you know, how much money you have, how much to hire employees, how much, you know, these are all the the early problems um, as, as you're scaling a business. And it's interesting that your business did branding and logos and TV and the, I mean, nowadays, like there's most companies maybe just do one of those, right. It's so segmented now into yeah. specific areas, but back then, yeah. I mean, you, everybody, I mean, ideally everybody wants to go to one place to do everything, but uh, it's a lot, obviously a lot has changed in the, in the marketing space. Um, yeah. so you took off with, in the marketing uh, world. Did you, did you sell that business? Do you still have that business or, or um, what I don't, I'm no longer even a part of that. Um, in, in the meantime, as we were going about that business, I started a digital sheet music company. It was the first interactive digital sheet music online, mm. uh, where you can actually, you can pull up a piece of music, you can hit the play button. And it highlights the notes on the music as it's playing. Oh, and interesting. You can take parts in and out. What what part do you sing, Colin? What part do I sing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh singing is not something that you I I we we don't want to get this band off any of the channels here. I'm try I'm learning piano. Nice. Uh so I'm I'm you know, I have some a few lean on me. I'm starting at the beginning, the basics here, the chords. So I am doing it, but there's not, there's parts where I'm supposed to sing, but I, I've told my piano coach that I, I, I want her to enjoy it and, and <laughs> there. So uh, with this music app, you can take the parts in and out. So if you're, if you're a bass and you just want to hear the bass part, you can mm-hmm. everything else out and just listen to that part. So very interactive music player um, wow. at the same time as I was building this agency. And so, yeah, kind of a, a fun divergence. Yeah. So, so you just, you started, you had the marketing and then you, you dived in the music business and, and you sounds like you're wearing a lot of hats and you were doing a number of things. And, um, you know, what would be your advice to yourself going back 26, you know, when you were 26, 27, 28, what would be your advice today to that, to that entrepreneur? Um, there's three things. Yeah, for sure. There's three things. The first is to break out of the paradox. 
And in order to break out of the paradox, you have to drain the swamp. And what I mean by that is the, the paradox that is entrepreneurship is that the thing that gets you into business is what will actively prevent you from succeeding in business. Mm -hmm. So the reason you got in business in the first place is why you'll keep hitting that glass ceiling is why you'll never break out into this huge success is the very reason you got into the business. It's this paradox that because you're the expert, because you may be the best in the world at whatever you do, that's that fact that you are the best in the world and that you're still doing those activities that will always cap you. That will always limit you to hit this ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it's not until it's not until you're able to break out of the paradox, drain the swamp, that you can start climbing your mountain. And every I, I coach entrepreneurs, I coach them, mentor them, help them go from basement all the way to buyout. And one question I ask entrepreneurs along this line is if you're building the product, who's building the business? Right. If you're the expert, if you're the one that has to be either in the oven or in the code or in, you know, doing all of the things, who's building the business? If right. you're building the product, who's building the business? And we we actually do a, an identity reboot with these entrepreneurs where we have them step out of that persona, step mm -hmm. out of that identity and say, it's time to change from being the expert in this product to being the expert in this business. Mm -hmm. And probably a big part of that too is realizing that you can only do so much. So if you're the expert and your team doesn't understand the product or other people don't know how to fix it or do it, that can be a real hindrance to scaling or growing also, right? I mean, just not, not, you know, there's this thing where you think like, you know, you want to keep it secretive and you want to hide stuff, but obviously giving some of the secret sauce out to your team and, and empowering them is really helpful also, which, you know, I don't know if that's where you're kind of going with that, but that's, that's something that I've found is really powerful is just, you know, empowering them with with the, all the information that you have and and you know there is this a lot of times you want to hold things secret right you want to hold it in because you think it's but you know most businesses are you know unless you are having something that's totally unique that no one but you get a patent and that's why you you know you put these agreements together and you got NDAs and but at the end of the day to, to scale something you have to you have to empower people to do it yeah yeah you have to stop being the best in the world and mm -hmm. whatever craft is so that you can reinvent yourself as the best in the world at your business. Exactly. And speaking of climbing, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I did. I did. Um, why would you do something like that? That seems something like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen people do it. I've heard about it. But tell me why you, you had to do it. The... So ever since I was little, my, my original goal was Everest. And then as I grew up, I found out what the mortality rate is on Everest, which is way too high for me. Um, it's about 30% of all the people that go up stay on the mountain. All right. I didn't know it was that high. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? I still want to climb. I still want the challenge. I still want the adventure. And what mountains don't kill people? <laughs> right. 
and Kilimanjaro has a very low mortality rate, still by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. No question about it. I've, I've qualified for Boston, the Boston marathon. I've done an Ironman in Hawaii, like, and I have nothing to compare to how hard it was to climb to the top of that mountain at 19,341 feet. And to put that in perspective, when you fly across the country, the airplane is at 20,000 feet. Wow. Yeah, we that, does, that does give a lot of perspective. We were right there. The wow. mountain is, is so high, you can actually see the curvature of the earth. You can actually see the earth bend on the horizon. Oh, my goodness. What uh, was it like when you hit the top? It was amazing. They, they have a saying. They have a saying that you can't go up without coming down changed. And there wasn't anyone in our expedition that was, wasn't a different person when they came back down. Wow. It absolutely strips you down to nothing but your soul. Mm -hmm. You are completely naked of title, of wealth, of health, of anything. The only thing you have left standing on top of that mountain is your soul. Mm -hmm. And it really tells you who you are. Wow. And the bonding, I'm sure, with the people you're up with was is probably, you know, those people, you'll never forget them. Yeah. And that experience together. Yeah. So I I commend you for it. I, you know, when I read that you did that, I, I said, well, is it like, is this similar to glamping? Is it kind of similar to? <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it, this is the real deal. No, I commend you. So you're saying starting a business is easier than climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So that's that's good advice, right? That physically, yes. Physically, physically yes. <laughs> Emotionally, we're still we're still on the fence there. Um, <laughs> well, that's amazing. That's really uh so that so how did you so do how do you relate that you did that experience? Is that has that shaped you in your business and your coaching? What it what is it what is it what what do you think what what was one change that happened after you got off that mountain? Absolutely, it's you know when when I wrote the Entrepreneur's Paradox, I um I had about three fourths of it written before I started climbing, and I came back down from the mountain and I rewrote the entire book. Is that right? Oh my goodness! Yeah, and I was like, this is. This this experience was so transformational. Like I can't even ex, ex, extend how how transformational it was because wow. it it the, like I said you you have to be a different person when you come back down. Right. You don't have another choice. Right. And and to put in perspective, the base camp is at fifteen thousand five hundred feet. Mm. That's higher than anywhere in the continental United States. Mm. There is nowhere in the continental United States that's that high. And that was base camp. Right. <laughs> that's that's where you start climbing at 1 a.m. And we had to we had to go up and back down in and it was about 2.2 miles from base camp to the top. So think about that. 2.2 miles in over 4,000 feet of elevation. Wow. And we're already starting at 15,000. And, and we had to start at 1am, climb all the way through the night and the next day to get back before it got cold again. Because mm. it was when we started, it was negative four degrees. That's 36 degrees below freezing. Wow. And, um, and, and you it, survived. 
<laughs> and we survived. There's yeah. actually a fun story in the book because it, it was there. There was actually a little touch and go for a minute. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was something I didn't expect at all. And wow. and I learned that I can't climb Everest. Like there, there is. I do not do not put me on Everest because um, one of the reasons I didn't have any hypoxia till the very top. And we actually, a couple of us physically carried people up the mountain, like arm in arm, we're walking you up the mountain. And because of that, and because, um, yeah, I actually took a guitar to the top so I could play a song on top of the mountain, <laughs> which I don't suggest. Don't do it, Colin. <laughs> but it's not a good idea. John Lennon, who, who, what, what did you play? What did you imagine? What, what song did you play at the top? It was Jumbo Buana, a an African song about Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. And well, so, listen, you you got it up there. You played the song. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's uh, it's it's extraordinary. It really is. And so yeah. when you when you think about that relative to you come back down, you, your life, and you, I know you have a big family and kids. You know, what do you, it, it was the risk, you know, was it like getting outside your comfort zone? Is that part of why you did it? And do you think that relates to business? You think it's really uh, that transformative experience? Do you think you can really tie that into a lot of your success and things that you've tried in your, in your business day to day? Yeah, there, there's no question the all of those lessons I learned on the mountain are, are lessons that relate to business. Um, for example, one of the biggest things, like the, if there's one thing for a brand new entrepreneur that I would say you have to do is you have to pick your mountain. You have to pick what mountain you're going to climb. Mm -hmm. And, and we think when we're starting businesses, you know, we're young and we're excited and Hey, this is, you know, the world's my oyster. I have any, any possibility of where I can go. The truth is you've only got three mountain ranges you can climb. There's only three. And everybody's like, well, I'm just going to go create this thing. But understanding which mountain range you're going to climb. And in the book, I have what's called the success formula that helps identify which mountain range you're going to climb. And those three mountain ranges, the first one is lifestyle. You can do a lifestyle business. The second is what I call buy or be bought. You can do a merger's acquisition strategy, which typically has rapid growth associated with it. Um, and the third is IPO. That's it. Those are the only mountain ranges you get to climb. Within those ranges, there's individual mountains. There's your particular mountain. And it's within one of the three ranges. And there's a, there's a beautiful mountain here in, in my home state of Utah called Mount Timpanogos. And I take people up the mountain as a, an interactive experience. Um, and it's only, it's only about 12,000 feet. Um, and I know it's just 12,000 is piece of cake. <laughs> um, but that's that's very much like a lifestyle business. We we start at night so that we can get to the summit by sunrise. We have just an amazing experience um, as I take these entrepreneurs up the mountain. And, um, and you know, there's some PB&J in the backpack. We can take um, just one pair of clothing. You know, you could even do it in shorts in the summertime. You get to the summit have an incredible experience, come back down, and 12 hours later, you're done. Hmm. Kilimanjaro is your, is your buyer be bought strategy. Kilimanjaro, you cannot, by law, you cannot climb the mountain unless you have a porter and a guide, at least one porter and a guide. 
each of us had a couple porters <laughs> and guides. And so our expedition, we had, um, what was it? 14, 14 climbers and probably had 40 people total because of all the guides and everything else. But in that same way, you know, you can climb Timpanogos in one night and a day and call it good. You can't do that with Kilimanjaro. And you have to plan. You have to plan very carefully what you're going to eat, what clothing you're going to wear. When you start, you're in a tropical rainforest. And you go through five climate zones before hitting the top at an Arctic tundra. The top is an, classified as an Arctic tundra. The bottom is a tropical rainforest. And you start in shorts and you end in like full winter gear at 36 degrees below freezing. And, um, and so you have to know very carefully what you're doing and you go in a team, you go in a group, you don't travel that mountain alone. Um, and then Everest is like your IPO mm -hmm. where you add this whole layer of legal and regulations and everything else. And so deciding which mountain you're going to climb is critical. And then the success formula that has four elements, the success formula is how you actually get there. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think for someone that has started a number of businesses, I've, I've never went any of these routes to, to think necessarily. I, I thought, saw a niche and kind of went after it, but you know, it's interesting to think about the different ways to enter what you're trying to go after. Are you trying to go IPO? Are you trying to sell it? You, you know, whatever kind of business you're trying to attain uh, and starting that early in the process. And it makes sense starting out the earlier you start and having that vision will, will lead you to, uh, to the success that you need. Um, you know, my, the people on my show, they like numbers. They want to hear, talk to me about some of your big wins, uh, Curtis, like, you know, some big scaling, you know, where you helped a business owner scale or somebody that started, you know, you said basement to, to, uh, to the finish line T tell me, tell me some really high level, you know, numbers that, that people will get excited to hear. Yeah. Um, so here in Utah, we have what's called the Silicon Slopes. Um, it's kind of like Silicon Valley, but we got snow in Utah. So we got the Silicon Slopes. <laughs> and um, and one of the companies that I started mentoring and then actually came on as president, um, we grew that literally from basement, like literally basement, hanging black plastic in the in the basement of, uh, of the founders, um, you know, basements. To, to create offices all the way um, to 20 times growth and became the fastest growing company in the Silicon Slopes, um, as well as the sixth fastest growing company on the Inc. Five, um, 500 list in education and other things. And um, we're on the list for six years in a row, including the Hall of Fame. Um, and the clients that I'm working with now, you know, we, we're seeing double, triple, quadruple times growth year over year. Um, just by applying some of the business principles. And that that company um, that you took that was on Inc. 500 and, and grew, did you know early that, you know, the business that had, they had a niche that, that was, could explode? Like, what, was there any signs kind of early on and they just, someone needed the roadmap? What, what, what did you see out there that kind of made you want to attach yourself to them? Yeah. I, I was coaching several businesses at the time and three had made me offers um, at the same time to come on board as either CEO or president of the company. And I, I turned those three down 
and um, Andrew and Sean, those were the two brothers. Uh, the, these two brothers founded this company. And I said, uh, I, I call it the beautiful spark. If I can see the beautiful spark in people, those are the kind of people I want to work with. And, and that spark is that indefatigable drive, that drive that gets them up early, has them go to bed late. And, um, you know, that spark of the excitement that they believe in their dream. Mm. They believe in the beauty of their dream. And that's who holds the future. <laughs> and so, um, so Andrew and Sean asked me to come on and, and they're the kind of people that have so much integrity, that have so much just drive, like to put it in perspective, some of my other clients, I would give them an assignment and they'd come back two or three weeks later. Andrew and Sean, I'd give them the same assignment and they would have it done the next day. Oh, and wow. had so much drive and so much integrity. And I said, you know what? If there's anybody I would want to work with, it would be these guys. And not only that, but I had been working with them for months ahead of this. And I saw the potential, like the, the e-learning industry was about ready to explode. And yeah, now... Now the company is arguably one of the top four brands in in the industry, along with Adobe and um, some others. And so, wow. Yeah. Did, when you got into business coaching, what did you think that that kind of scenario would happen, or was that just a byproduct of being a great coach and and mentor? Well, I, I have to I have to hand credit to Andrew and Sean <laughs> because right uh, right. They, yeah, truly. I mean, and and Andrew's still with the company, and he's even grown it just way beyond the twenty times growth. And so, um, it's it's just amazing. The yeah, but the to answer your question, like it used to be that you had to know you had to know a Warren Buffett or you know some business guru from on high that would come and say, "Hey, <clears throat> let's." let's teach you the secrets of business. It's not the way anymore. There, there are very clearly defined principles that if you add these principles to business, it works. I mean, it just works. And when you, when you really identify, okay, where does the business need to go? And you you have the discipline and that's one of the keys is the discipline. You have the discipline to apply the principles because they're hard. Right. Like if they weren't hard, everybody would do it. Right. They're the hard. It yeah. takes it takes an emotional courage. It takes a lot of work. It, it's it's hard. And to be able to do that, the, when you do apply the principles, they do work. They, yeah. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's it just happens. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Absolutely. Um before we get in a little bit farther, we are gonna break. For uh, one of our sponsors, which is Guardian HR. Guardian HR, do not go about your HR alone. Guardian HR has been around for 20 years, helping business owners, small, medium-sized business owners uh, get the documents they need, handbooks. If you're you know, out lost and you're starting to build, I mean, we've been talking a lot about this as, as having a good foundation. Uh, Guardian HR can be your partner. So check out Guardian HR dot uh, com to learn more about some of the things that they offer. Uh, Curtis, so uh, you scaled this business, a number of businesses. You wrote the Entrepreneur's Paradox, and now you're you're probably you know money's not as much of an issue. 
what's, you know, what inspires you now? I know there's a new book. What's, what's kind of, what's your, what's the new thing that you're really passionate about? Yeah. Thank you so much for asking that question because it is a passion and um, it's one I didn't know I would ever be focused on. And when, when I wrote, when I wrote the entrepreneur's paradox, my, and it hit the wall street journal bestseller list, my publisher said, Hey, let's, let's do a couple more of these business books. And so I was writing my second book called the timeline of business. Having worked with so many entrepreneurs now, not only does everybody make the same mistakes, but they make the same mistakes at the same time. If you lay out a timeline, if you tell me what mistake you're in right now, I can pretty accurately predict what's coming next because those mistakes line up linearly. And so I was in the midst of writing this book called The Timeline of Business. And it's okay if I get a little personal. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I... Um, so I went through a divorce about four or five years ago, um, and I, it was the hardest thing that's ever I've ever gone through, um, even harder than bu building a business in Kilimanjaro, and and it it was so hard, in fact, that it humbled me to my knees, and I had to I had to really take a good look at me. And then as I was doing that, as I was journaling, as I was reinventing myself and, and saying what really is important in life, um, one, of, one of my best friends, I think it's important to say his name, Jerry Williamson, took his life. And wow. thanks, Colin. And I'm not okay with that. I am not okay. And if he would have understood the difference between a counterfeit emotion and an authentic emotion. I truly believe he'd be here with us today. I truly believe that he would still be here making people laugh so hard their guts hurt. I believe he'd still be here. And, and there's a couple of those emotions that in particular that are really critical. Um, and I'm glad we're having this interview because this month is Suicide Prevention Month. And um, and those pairings or those dyads, it, the first one is guilt versus shame. Guilt is actually a beautiful, healthy emotion. And guilt is getting such a bad rap in today's world. Guilt is, uh, you know, people say, oh, don't let them guilt trip you. Oh, don't, you know, quit guilting. You know, guilt is actually beautiful. It comes from the old English word gilded, which means to repay or make whole. Guilt is the feeling of repayment. Guilt is the feeling of helping someone else become whole after we've hurt them. Shame, on the other hand, is so damaging. It's one of the most damaging emotions we can feel. If you look at the frequency scale, um, guilt is actually based in empathy. So it's a high frequency emotion. Shame is it's one of the lowest emotions you can feel. It's above apathy. Apathy is the lowest emotion you can feel. Shame is right above that. And yet they look and act and feel like each other, right? You right. know, guilt, do. guilt feels like shame and shame feels like guilt. But one says, I did something wrong. The other one says, I am wrong. Mm. My existence is wrong. One sense says, I, I did something bad. The other says, I am bad. Right. 
and understanding the difference between a counterfeit emotion and an authentic emotion, I think is so important, especially in today's world. We're in a new emotional pandemic right now. We've, we've gotten through COVID. We've gotten through the viral pandemic. Right now, 33%, according to the CDC, 33% of people are experiencing extreme stress and anxiety. And of that, we're at the highest rate of suicide since the Great Depression. Mm. By the end of the year, we'll have the highest number of suicides ever recorded in history. Wow. And it's I'm awful. not okay with that. Yeah, it's an awful statistic. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, so it sounds like like what what you're sort of talking about is, you know, someone makes a mistake or does something and realizing that it's not them that it's not that mistake kind of separating it from like we've all done things that maybe were perfect and not taking it as as like shame on me like it's me it's just something that happens and sort of identifying it is that sort of part of the process that you're talking about curtis that's that's a really important part of it yeah i'm glad you identified that because that's really important shame talks to the character mm -hmm. guilt talks to the action Shame says, I'm a horrible person for doing this. Guilt says, this hurts somebody. Help make them whole. Make mm -hmm. them whole. That's what guilt is. And there's four criteria to understand if an emotion is authentic or counterfeit. And the first is connection. Does this emotion connect me? Does it connect me to you? Does it connect me to me? Does it connect me to God? And does it connect me to the truth? that's the first one. If it's a connecting emotion, like you think about guilt in order to make you whole, like let's say I hurt you in some way in order to make you whole, I have to connect with you. Mm -hmm. I have to come to you and I have to say, sorry, Colin. Mm -hmm. And those words, I'm sorry. Those are amazingly connecting words. Those are beautiful words. And so there's that connection. Whereas shame says, the only thing shame says is hide, disconnect. And through COVID, we were told, shut our doors, shut our churches, shut our businesses, shut our, you know, cover your smile. And we had this, we were told to disconnect. And because of that, it's, it's had a dramatic effect on us emotionally. And so that first criteria of connection is critical. The second is direction. Where does this emotion take me? And the other pairing that I think would have been so important for Jerry to know is pain versus misery. Pain is an authentic emotion. Misery is not. Misery is the counterfeit. Pain has to happen. It's inevitable. Misery is optional. Mm. And if you think about the direction, you know, say it with me. What's the common saying with pain? No pain, no gain. Pain. No gain, yeah. Because the direction pain takes you is either forward, <laughs> upward, or it brings you together. Misery, you know, has its own saying. Misery loves company. <laughs> and the direction that all of the counterfeit emotions take us is right back to themselves. Misery can't live without more misery. Mm -hmm. Misery can't exist unless it builds itself. If you don't let misery expand, it naturally dies. Right. And so that's the second criteria is direction. The third is motivation. Is this emotion based in love and surrender and acceptance? 
or is it based in fear and control? Mm. If it's fear and control, that's a counterfeit emotion. If it's love and surrender, those are authentic. And then the final one is valuation. And just like you talked about, valuation, does this value my divine worth? The worth that doesn't have a title, it's not CEO, it's not on a trophy shelf behind me, it's the worth that's inside me. Or does it devalue me? Does it say I'm worth less or worthless? And those are the four criteria to understand if it's a counterfeit or an authentic emotion. Well, it's a very interesting way to to understand basic, you know, emotions that we're trying to, we're all trying to navigate, you know, and very sorry to hear about your friend. And you. Uh, you said he was a funny guy. It seems like a lot of times, you know, the funniest people are have the most misery, unfortunately. And um, I'd love to dive into more of counterfeit emotions and learn more about it. But I think people just need to buy this book, right? I mean, that's, I think they need to spend some time and really get into it. And, and I will tell you, it's so interesting to meet someone that has had um, so much success in one area. And obviously you're very talented in business and coaching business and you, you understand the fundamentals, but to go into the the emotions, the counterfeit emotions, to write a book about something deeper that was probably outside your comfort zone, at least initially, um, I think that's a sign of a, a person that's really evolved. And so I really commend you for that and, and you know, excited about your journey in life that you've been able to, because I think a lot of people want to fall back on things that they're really good at. And so doing this personal work um, you know, based on what happened to your friend and your personal life, I think is pretty, pretty amazing. So, and, and I appreciate you opening up and, and, uh, sharing that because obviously it's very, uh, personal to you. Yeah. Thank you. And it's interesting because I look back, I look back and I'm so grateful. I needed, I needed an upgrade. <laughs> I needed a Curtis 2.0 yeah. and, I'm so grateful that I had those trials because without them, we wouldn't be talking today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you need to, I, you know, I think the great part about life, if you can, you know, survive some of the ups and downs is, is, is when you come out of it as much as, you know, I'm asked a question about, you know, your 25 and 26 year old self and your business um, mistakes I know personally, and I'm sure you, you had to go through those, it, you know, sometimes you have to go through it, even though you're helping people avoid some of the ones. And, and at the end of the day, you know, taking, reading a book, getting a coach to help avoid some of the major mistakes is, is valuable and, and people need it and having mentors. Um, you know, I have a lot of mentors that I ask questions. I'm luckily that I always say the biggest thing uh, for me is that my, all, my parents are still alive and I think they've always been mentors for me and, and in business and life and having them to, to bounce ideas off. And now I have my wife who's brilliant in, in business and, and, you know, my partner and everything to, to, you know, we're constantly throwing ideas out and, and, um, you know, we have three young kids and she always wants to come in and do more. And I listen at night, you know, on the weekends, we have a big decision. I, I come to you and, 
you give me, you know, great insight and that's as valuable as anything else, you know? Um, so it's just so interesting where, you know, where you find those, those mentors and those people in your life. And, it, and for everybody, it's, it's different. Um, we're coming up on, on the end of our time here, but is there anything Curtis you wanted to sort of end with? And I first just want to say, thank you so much. Such a fascinating interview to, you know, I love talking about business. I love talking about numbers, but I really, it was exciting to kind of talk a little bit about that and really get into your personal journey. So is there anything that you wanted to, uh, kind of end the podcast with. Yeah. Um, I love that you spend that time with your wife. I love that. That's thank you. Yeah. It's she's uh during COVID, she had to she was working in the insurance business and was had a you know big business and she had to step back because we, you know, we had twins and three young kids at home. And so she took a step back and and it was a very hard transition for her for almost a more than a year, year and a half, her identity. It was a difficult time for her because she was used to having her own, you know, work and, you know, having those relationships. And so she went home and, you know, was doing that and it was a tough transition and she did it. And now she's loves it and she's so happy. Um, but she's been, you know, yeah, absolutely valuable. And, and, uh, you know, everyone in the company is it's it's ours. You know, it's and it's we we built this thing together. So that's so great. Yeah, I think if I were to leave one thing, I would say don't climb the mountain alone. You don't have to climb the mountain alone. That's what I thought. I thought you did, and I didn't get a coach. I didn't get a mentor. I didn't reach out to friends. I didn't open the kimono in the proverbial kimono. Yeah, I was so guarded with my business, and and it was so damaging, mm. and don't go through business alone but don't go through life alone now open up and share and if if anyone is struggling right now there's one in 20 people have actually considered suicide if you have more than 20 friends or 20 people in your family one of them have considered committing suicide if this is you reach out join my facebook group the counterfeit emotions facebook group call your local hotline find you know, call a friend, just call Colin. <laughs> call. call me. I'd love to, I'm not, I love the chat to people. It's a, yeah, no, I, your message is good. And it's funny. Cause my friends, I'm like the one, I don't like texting. I'm like, I want people. And my friends always, why do you call? And I, <laughs> they're always like, why are you call? And I'm like, isn't that what this thing, this is, are we supposed to talk to people on this? I know there's texting. I know it um but yeah call me you're right call me so hey call curtis call call somebody get on the yeah. phone yeah there's help out there and i know there's a lot of pain in the world and find out what, how beautiful pain can be i always thought that pain and joy were exclusive you couldn't have pain and joy at the same time in the same place i was wrong the counterfeit misery that's the one you can't have with joy Pain gets to be on the side of misery or pain gets to be on the side of joy. Yeah. To decide. And so dig in, understand those counterfeit emotions and how, how damaging they are. And then step into the authentic because that's where you'll find the one emotion that has no counterfeit. There's only one and that's peace. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have all the links below if anybody wants to contact Curtis and 
great messaging out there today. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and hopefully we can, we can do this again. I would love it. Thanks, Colin. Thanks.